The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. and thanks for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference. I'm Kimberly Shirk. I'll be your moderator for today's show. And I'm joined, as always, by co-authors Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. They're our experts on management techniques, the research behind them, and why effectively implementing them can really make a difference in your workplace. So today we're going to talk about Chapter 8 of Managing to Make a Difference, and it's entitled, Do Not Make Relationship Conflicts Worse. I like that title. So it's a tough one, I think, that we're going to address today, but so important because conflict happens and it bears talking about. So what do you do when conflict arises and how do strong managers go about making the situation better instead of worse? Well, I, I want to start by pointing out that we, we come at this in more than one way. And the first way that I'd like us to think about this topic is suppose you're a manager and two people who report to you are having problems with their relationship. There's some conflict there. What do you do about that? I want to start with this story. When I was a young manager, I was a director of human resources. I was expected to help people work through their relationships. So if an employee would come to human resources and say, my manager is not treating me properly, he doesn't speak to me respectfully, or he is giving other people preferential shifts, uh, a variety of uh, types of of complaints people have when when they're out of relationship with their manager, or he's picking on me, or whatever it might be. And, and these were not the kind of complaints that rose to the level where somebody might want to file a formal grievance or where they were experiencing harassment or something like that. These were normal kinds of things that come up uh, among human beings in any community. So they would come to human resources and complain about that. And I would then call the manager in, and the employee and do what I could to help them work through this conflict they were having in their relationship. And this is what the organization expected me to do. It was considered entirely appropriate. Both the manager and the employee considered it appropriate. The organization considered it appropriate. And so I kept doing this. And one day I kind of became conscious that I was making things worse. I wasn't making them better. Uh, I would listen to the manager, I would listen to the employee, and and as expected, I would either say, you're both wrong, or you're both partially right, or one of you is wrong, you know, and I would make some pronouncement, and I would I would then say, go forth now and, and have a better relationship. And uh, it took me quite a while to become conscious enough to realize, I'm not helping here. That, that didn't make the relationship better, and in most cases, if it had any effect at all, it made it worse. 
because I am not a trained, licensed, or educated relationship counselor. But this goes on in a lot of organizations where somebody from human resources is expected to help people sort out their relationships. So for our listeners, here's an important message. Just don't do that. If you're doing it now, get out of the business of doing that. Let people solve their own relationships. If you want to coach somebody one-on-one as to what they might say to get into a conversation, but they should be talking to each other and you should recognize that you are, are not trained and educated on helping people work through their relationships. And in all likelihood, if you think about whether or not you've made things better, in all likelihood, you haven't. And if you have, I think you're the exception to the rule. Kim, do you have an observation on that? Yeah, I, I think one of the important things that we can help managers consider is what would happen if you were spending the time that maybe you're spending now mediating conflict between people? What would happen if you were spending that time on other things? Um, you have an opportunity cost to that, and you could be spending that time in much more valuable ways that have a much higher impact on performance for your team. Great. Thank you. So now I can think, I think we can move on from that perspective and start talking about how do you work through a relationship where you're having the conflict with another person. And this is going to happen no matter how good relationships are. This is going to happen in marriages. It's going to happen in families. It's going to happen at work. We are not going to avoid conflict in relationships. And there's plenty of advice out there about how to work through these. And we're, we're focusing, of course, on work relationships specifically. And we think we have some things to add that will help you actually make progress in making the relationship better. Kim, you want to start? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the first things you have to start thinking about is what's the level of trust. So as you're thinking about the relationship that you have with somebody, I think you have to become really conscious of, first of all, do I trust this person? How much do I trust this person or for in what ways do I trust this person? And, and in what ways are tr- has trust been compromised perhaps with this person? Lots of reasons exist for why trust might be low. Trust could be low with some, someone simply because you don't know them very well and you don't have a solid relationship with them. That's easy to fix. Trust could be low because of other factors and getting to those root causes when trust is low for why it's low and working on and addressing those root causes can be very helpful. I'd like to also bring up the following issue. There are two sides to building and rebuilding trust. One is being trustworthy. And that's what most people spend their time discussing. How can you build trust yourself by being more trustworthy, which means you make commitments, you live up to those commitments, among other things. That's just an example of 
being trustworthy. The other side I don't think is talked about enough, and that's being trusting. And all of us have control of whether we are going to be trusting, and we can choose our behavior. This is a challenge, but I guarantee all the listeners, this works. Let's say you have a situation where you're interacting with somebody you don't trust, and there may be very good reasons that you don't trust them, but there you are, you're at a point where you don't trust the person. Now you want to do what you can do to rebuild trust. And maybe, frankly, it was their fault. Uh, but, but again, for purposes of this part of our discussion, I'm going to declare that that doesn't matter. You can still choose behaviors that rebuild trust, even if trust had been broken by the other person. And how do you do that? You do it by asking yourself the following question. If a very close friend of mine demonstrated the exact same behaviors that this person is demonstrating, how would I respond to that individual? The human brain attributes motives to behavior. And you may see this even, say you're in your car, you're driving down the street, and you see a couple, a man and a woman, and they're interacting on the street rather vigorously. You can't hear what they're saying, but but they're having an animated discussion. Almost all of us will make up a story there. We'll look at their body language and we'll say they're having an argument or they're really excited about what, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try to explain that behavior. And so when, any, when somebody does something at work, you always attribute motives, whether it's conscious and you're really focusing on the motives or whether it's not so conscious, you're always attributing motives. And what I'm saying here is if somebody you really trust, like a close friend, does something, and I, the example I use in the book, I think, is doesn't invite you to a meeting that you're absolutely, you should have been invited to this meeting. If a close friend does that, you characterize that behavior in a certain way. And your assumptions aren't that they're intentionally trying to undermine you or, or anything of the sort. You probably just believe that was probably an oversight. And you just go and talk to them and say, hey, I'm just curious. I really should have been at that meeting. What happened? And whereas if somebody you don't trust doesn't invite you to the meeting, you're going to attribute motives to that behavior. And almost always you're going to be wrong. And so one thing you can do, of course, is just go to them and ask them why. But you have to ask with the right intent. You have to ask with the right demeanor. I'm talking about non-confrontational, non-aggressive intent and demeanor, just to learn why. And then you can go from there. But in addition to that, even if you don't know why, you can ask yourself the following question. If a close friend of mine did exactly this, How would I respond? And whether or not it feels comfortable, choose that behavior with the person you don't trust. So you're being, you're choosing trusting behaviors, even though it doesn't feel comfortable to do so. And I I guarantee you that you will make progress in rebuilding that relationship and in working through this conflict in a constructive way. Kim, when I think about um, choosing that behavior and um, 
and deciding that that's not an easy thing as humans. I think that's not, it's a very difficult thing. Kim, what comes to your mind when you, when you think about like putting that into application instead of just hearing it and thinking, Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, I think that in order to make that kind of investment, you have to decide that it's important enough to you to do it as humans. Um, we're, we're pretty unlikely to highly invest in something that we don't care about. We are also, when we make very high investments in things, far more likely to say that that's something that we care a lot about. You can't not do that. There's a, a level of um, cognitive dissonance that occurs. Um, if, if, you, if your investment mismatches the meaning for you. And so, I mean, I think one of the things you have to do is to say to yourself, how important is this to me? And am I making the commensurate investment in it relative to its importance to me into this relationship? It's a great thought. Hey, we have some exciting news to share with you. We are um, going live with our website at managetomakeadifference.com. So you're going to find additional materials and exercises that are going to go along with what we're talking about in each podcast, as well as everything that you need to know to like pre-order books for your team and, and work through these management issues with them. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'd like to open with this thought. How important is a person's need to be right in terms of resolving conflict? How does that play an important role? So we'll come back in just a minute and um, we'll try and tackle that question. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. 
Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference this afternoon. We've been talking about Chapter 8 in the book, Managing to Make a Difference, and it's entitled, Do Not Make Relationship Conflicts Worse. And it's just one of the chapters from the soon-to-be-released book. In fact, um, it's going to be released in less than a month. So if you want to pre-order your copies today, you can go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. You can grab it for yourself, or I would just encourage you to do it for your entire management team and really make this a practice that you guys look at um, on a consistent basis to help that management. So we were talking a little bit about trust and the choice to um, choose trusting behavior, even in a situation where your, your trust is not exemplified. And um, and I'd love to explore that just a little bit more before we go into the, the topic of needing to be right. Well, Kim, you asked... Kim Turnage, what comes to mind when she thinks about choosing a a trusting behavior? And what came to my mind was Bill Clinton's decision to start disarming and dismantling our nuclear warheads. We had been negotiating with the Russians for years about doing exactly that, about both of us doing exactly that. And he just made the decision that he was going to go forward and reduce our nuclear arsenal without having commensurate commitments uh, finalized with the Russians. And as it happened, once he started, they followed suit. And so that's, that's one of many examples that we're talking about where it, it takes courage. You're taking a risk to choose a trusting behavior when in your heart of hearts, you don't really trust the other person. It takes a lot of courage. You're taking a risk. But in many, many cases, you'll be well rewarded. Kim, any final thoughts on that? Yeah, as Larry's sharing that example, what comes to mind to me is that this is a very specific case of be the change you want to see in the world. Make the choice to be the change that you want to see. And that change is very likely to follow. Mm-hmm. Good point. Great point, actually. Okay, so I'm curious about this next question. We kind of teased it in the last segment, but I do want to get to it. Um, how does a person's need to be right play into the resolution of conflict, whether it's the manager or perhaps two parties that are just not getting along that report up to the manager? Kim, you want to start <laughs> off this one? <laughs> Well, well, curiously, at least in my own experience, often the need to be right is central to the conflict. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? absolutely. I mean, how many of us, that's like where the whole thing starts. <laughs> so yeah. I, I think that that can be the thing that if one or the other people in the conflict can let go of it, 
it can be the way that things can then proceed. It's, it's, it's not easy to let go of the need for many, many people. Many people are competitive, and when they get into a discussion, they have a very, very strong need to be right. Also, I've noticed that people who are highly perfectionist, perfectionist have a strong need to be right down to the, the last detail. And letting go of that is not always easy. It takes some practice because I think when people are doing it, they're often not conscious that that's what's going on, that they have this strong need to be right because it does, that's not the way it shows up for them. And being conscious that this is what's going on and then saying to yourself, you know, I'm going to let go of this. Any of our listeners who have been in customer-facing positions in their careers can probably look back to situations where, and I got, I, I, I could do a, easily a whole segment on uh, customers who were complaining about things that, that were absolutely uh, ridiculous and they were wrong. And it's not true that the customer is always right, by the way, but we have to choose behaviors as if the customer is always right. And so that's an instance where when you're dealing with a customer, you need to let go. And, and we all do this. It's interesting that we are pretty good at doing this when it comes to a customer, but we're not so good at doing this when it comes to our employees and when we're, when we're managers. Uh, it, it's, it's just an interesting phenomenon. So if people can put themselves into that mindset, and, and I, I, remember, I remember once when I was on the, I was, I was having this need to be right. I was visiting a friend of mine who was a general manager of the Omni International Hotel in, in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, the gentleman's name uh, was Pat Meaty. And he was my best friend, and I was visiting him at this hotel, and he told me that he would meet me just outside the front door and and pick me up and, and drive me to his house. So I come outside the front door of the hotel, and there's a doorman there. And I'm just standing there pleasantly, and the doorman wants to help me. So he says, sir, is there, can I help you in some way? And I said, no, I'm, I'm waiting for Mr. Meaty to come out and, and – and, uh, we're going to drive to his house. And the doorman said, sir, Mr. Meany has already left for the day. And, you know, 15 minutes earlier, I just agreed with Mr. Meany that he was going to pick me up the front door. And I looked at the doorman and I said, that can't possibly be true. He just told me he was going to pick me up at the front door. And the doorman said, sir, I personally saw him leave five minutes ago. And I insisted that and the doorman at that point, I kept insisting, and the doorman just looked at me and as pleasantly as possible said, yes, sir. And it turned out, of course, that the doorman was completely right, that Pat had gotten an urgent call from his family, and he just had to get home immediately. And these were the days before, you know, we had cell phones and so forth, so he, he couldn't notify me. But, um, you know, had I been conscious enough to let go of my need to be right, I might have listened to the tournament and and we would have moved on from that conflict. So lots of people can do this when they're doing it with a customer. Get into the same mindset and do it with each other. Really removes a lot of stress from your life if you can give up the need to be right. One it thing that, that triggers for me, Larry, is that 
there's a we might want to slice and dice this a little bit better for our listeners um, because right has a lot of different meanings. Right is correct, as in I'm right, I'm correct, and you're wrong, you're incorrect. We also occasionally get into more serious levels of conflict that are more fundamental and that come up against our values. Yeah, like, and, for instance, this is just a hypothetical, but mm-hmm. it, it might be that uh, a major airline has a passenger dragged off the plane uh, because they want to make room for some of their employees. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what happens <laughs> when we get up against those kinds of hypothetical values conflict situations? Um, in, in those situations, should you be so quick to abandon wanting to get the right answer? Uh, you, you kind of stopped there. I thought you were. I thought you were going to go on and answer your own question. That I was going to answer my own rhetorical question. Well, yes. my, I mean, my answer would be that maybe we're not so quick. Um, it, it has to be. I would say let's let's separate when being right is about your ego, and when being right is about values and ethics and integrity. But you have to be really honest with yourself about which one it is. And I would say, and this is, I I think this is a a big problem right now, Uh, not only in our society, but the the degree of polarization that is going on in the world today is exactly on this topic. There are groups of people who absolutely and and, uh, emotionally think that they're right, they're zealots, and they, they absolutely believe they're right. They will not listen to other points of view. And so what, what your remarks bring up for me is when you're convinced you're right, and this is related to your values, how do you interact constructively mm-hmm. with people who don't share that particular value? They don't share that particular belief. How you, you, so the question is, what do you do then, right? So you're convinced you're right. This is something fundamental to your value system. What do you do then to work through the conflict with people on the other side of that issue? And the answer that I have learned from people who are very good at doing this, the answer is listening. Listening with an open heart. And when you talk about setting aside your ego, I want to make sure to point out to our listeners that your psychological and emotional certainty that you are right does not mean that you are right. That's just your thoughts and your feelings. And it doesn't matter how intensely you feel those. It doesn't guarantee that you're right. And you need to remind yourself of that because we can get into some arrogance if we're not careful. And we do see this now in the world with all this polarization. And the cure for it is being willing to listen and be present, even if you fundamentally disagree with the other person's point of view. Well, and to take us back to where we started this show, the cure for it is not to bring a third party in to solve it for you. 
because ultimately that's not going to solve the source of the conflict. It might get you over this one hump, but it's not going to get you over what can become a lasting and ongoing conflict. So I think that when we come back from the break, I think that's an important topic to explore a little bit more because, um, like we said, conflict exists in the workplace as managers those of you who are listening in our audience that manage people, one of the most crucial things is how do you work through that with two people who ultimately have to come together to figure out a solution. So we'll explore that here in a minute. Um, Just a reminder that if you have a question related to this topic or another management issue, we definitely want to hear from you. All you have to do is simply click that email host button just above the podcast description and we'll work those topics into upcoming podcasts. But for now, we'll take a short break and we'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference with Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. Uh, We've been talking about conflict resolution. Um, how not to make it worse as a manager. And one of the topics we were exploring just before the break was just the fact that there is conflict in the workplace and how do managers practically deal with it when they're not a part of the conflict, but they're overseeing teams that are a part of the conflict. 
Well, I was talking about the importance of listening. And I, I'm reminded of Stephen Covey Sr.'s principle, first listen to understand and then make efforts to be understood. And in my career, that, that particular piece of advice has, has really served me well. When you're someone's manager and you're disagreeing with them or you have two people disagreeing, if you sincerely listen with an open mind to the other points of view and to all points of view, you may have to wind up making a decision because after all, if you're the manager, this may, this may be the kind of situation where some action has to be taken and it's your responsibility to make that final decision. And what I have learned is if the people involved know that you have sincerely listened with an open mind, with an intent to, that, that says, I think I know what the right thing is here, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. So let me listen to you to see if another perspective helps me make a better decision and take a better action. Employees all know that they are not going to get all of their ideas and all of their points of view implemented. What they want is that somebody listens with an open mind to really understand why they're taking this position. And at the end of that, if the person, if the manager makes a decision contrary to what the employee wishes, they're much more likely to accept that decision because they've been listened to. And it's got to be sincere. You can't, you're not going to fool people. So again, it's, it's giving up that conviction that you're right. You're not going to listen to any other perspectives, to any other point of view, because you don't have to, because you're right. If you can give that up, you still may make the same decision, but you'll listen to people with an open mind. And by the way, you might change your mind. If you're really listening to people, you might decide to change your mind. So that, those, are, those are some of the things that come up for me when I'm, when I'm thinking about how listening can contribute to working through conflict with your employees. It's well, that brings that- us back again to that. As the manager, what are you there to do? Ideally, you're there to help other people grow. And if a place that they need to grow is in how to manage conflict, you can help them grow by allowing them and coaching them and equipping them to have those difficult conversations that they'd rather have you solve for them. And, you know, in that, in that, it's your job as the manager to carefully discern which of these are interpersonal conflicts that this person should be expected to manage on their own? And which of these are so much bigger and so much more complicated and so much more systemic that that's not interpersonal conflict anymore. It's really a problem in the business or on the team that you need to take responsibility for stepping into and helping resolve. 
Yeah, that's a that's a very good point. And it occurs to me that according to some observers, this is currently going on in the White House as we speak here on this broadcast, where according to some observers, Mr. Kushner and Mr. Bannon are having a conflict. And what did the president do here? His first, uh, uh, that we can be aware of, his first uh, directive was not to be the mediator. According to the accounts that I have read, he just said to them, work it out. And he, he didn't take responsibility for working through that conflict. So you can see somebody and, you know, I don't care what your politics are. You, you can learn things from a variety of places. And it, it just occurs to me that we're, we're seeing the president implement what we're talking about right here. He is not trying to mediate that relationship. I think that what strikes me about our whole conversation has been um, that there's a lot of self-reflection that goes into conflict resolution, whether or not you are involved in the conflict or not. And, um, you know, what you talk about with listening, what you talk about with um, coaching, things like that. Do any examples come to mind where you personally have been reflective on a situation and thought, oh, maybe I will approach it differently, or whether you've been uh, an observer or a coach on the other end? Do those, do those come to mind for you? Yeah, one comes to mind for me. I'm Jewish, and in college, I started dating an Armenian girl. And eventually, we became engaged. Her parents did not like this at all. And I could do, I could do an entire podcast on this, but, but I will not. But just accept my, my statement that her parents did not like this at all. They did not want us to get married. They couldn't have been more upset about the engagement. Eventually, we did, in fact, get married. And the day before the wedding, her father said to me, we will never visit you. You have to understand this. We will never visit. And I looked him right in the eye and I said, you know what? It would be a shame for you to throw away your relationship with your daughter because of this. And I said to him, I just want you to know that my door will always be open and you will always be welcome in my household. So if you don't have a relationship with your daughter, that's on you. And I worked hard to build my relationship with the father and the mother, and it was not easy. But I had to set aside, we weren't doing anything wrong. We were absolutely right. Um, the only thing that was wrong is I happened to be Jewish. Um, other, other than that, everything, yeah, so we didn't do anything wrong. And I was able to realize that her parents were operating out of their own 
limitations. And they had a worldview. And they, had, you know, they were concerned about their daughter. And I focused on those things. And within three years, we had a terrific relationship. We visited them. They had, they, they visited us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It took a while, but it took my commitment to abandoning the, the need to say to them, I was right. What you are doing here is wrong. I just set that aside. So that's, that's one that comes up for me. Well, and you chose the trusting behavior of saying, my door is always open to you. You It's it's very easy to to hear that. We will never visit. And to make the response, that's okay because the door is closed anyway. (laughs) But you chose a different response. Kim, does anything come up for you when you think about coaching others through conflict? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a parent, and, and so I think a lot about the ways in which I have purposefully and intentionally removed myself from my children's relationships with their teachers. Um, we, have a, we have a very unique approach to parent-teacher conferences, for example, where our children come with us even when they're in high school, and we are observers of the conversation that occurs between them and their teachers. And we occasionally interject a question to either our student or their teacher that we think might move the conversation in a good direction. But that conversation is not between us. And as a result, when our kids have an issue with one of their teachers, when they get into conflict, when there's a disagreement, they go directly to their teachers and they work it out. And we don't get involved. I like that. Terrific. Mm-hmm. Some some great parenting advice there. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, it's sometimes more them. easily said than done as the parent who's biting your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> you you know what? Everything we're talking about on this particular podcast is more easily said than done. Demonstrating mm-hmm. trusting behaviors when you when that's not how you feel is not at all easy. So. This And if resolving conflict were easy and straightforward and there was some secret to it, somebody would have published that secret. We'd all know it and there wouldn't be any conflict in the world. Good point. We are going to take a quick break again, but we are going to come back with a little more insight from Larry and Kim and our last segment of today's episode of Managing to Make a Difference. We have had a few questions roll in from some previous episodes and one particular that's rather intriguing. So um, I hope you'll stay tuned with us for a short break. We'll take that short break and we'll be back to talk more conflict resolution and some additional questions on managing to make a difference. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter. 
and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference with Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. I don't know if we say this enough, but thank you for listening. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to really concentrate on management and making yourself a better manager. We hope that the podcast that you're listening to and now additionally the website that will be live, it's called managetomakeadifference.com. And it's a place where you can go and you can actually visualize the two people that bring you this great um, podcast every week. And you can book speaking engagements. You can um, book the or uh, sign up to order the book for you or for your team of managers. Um, so we hope you'll check that out. Again, it's managetomakeadifference.com. But we appreciate you listening. So we've covered today a good deal of the impact of conflict in the workplace, um, how strategies to resolve it can impact those outcomes and the mindset of the team. But Larry and Kim, what have we missed? What do you want to take away? Well, in in this length of time, we really can only scratch the surface on such a an important and complex issue about conflict. And as Kim Turnage said at the beginning of the broadcast, there there are many different kinds of conflict. They have many different kinds of root causes, and and that requires different approaches in many cases. So we're we're just scratching the surface. But the the point is. If we don't resolve the conflict through better relationships, we are reduced to the use of power. And you can see that going on in the world all the time. So that's one of the reasons this is a supremely important issue, not only in the workplace, but in in the world at large. Kim, any final thoughts? Yeah, I I think that's a a great summary observation. And 
if we're doing it through relationship, as we discussed earlier today, that means that we're listening to each other and we're building trust. Wherever it starts, what we're trying to do is we're trying to increase the levels of trust in that relationship. And we can't get out of this without quoting our esteemed colleague, Jim Meehan, who has written a book on trust. Jim's famous quotation is this, I mean you no harm, I seek your greatest good. If the person with whom you are dealing knows that that is your intent, I mean you no harm, I seek your greatest good, you will make progress in resolving your conflict. Yes, how, how often Jim's words resonate in my mind just on a daily basis. So thank you for bringing that up. So I do want to take a minute to address a pertinent question from a few weeks ago. Uh, so I'll go ahead and read that and then let you guys contemplate that. The question is, in some circumstances, intolerable behavior of one employee affects the other employees as well. The employees who were ignoring the bad behavior decide they cannot handle it anymore, but they also don't want to quit. So what would be your advice to those employees who are hanging on by a thread? And then a part two to this question also, what would be your advice to a manager who's aware of the bad behavior but decides to look past it, even at the expense of high or potentially high turnover in the company? Well, I think to provide some context for that question, it comes from a previous broadcast that was entitled Tolerate Undesirable Behaviors. Um, and it's, it's kind of an extension to accept people as they are. People are going to have behaviors or attitudes that you might not like or agree with at times. And our advice in general is to accept people as they are, warts and all. Um, but there are going to be times when those intolerable behaviors or those undesirable behaviors truly do become intolerable. And this question kind of pushes out to that extreme. So, Larry, where do you want to start with that? Well, in the, in the way the question is asked, there's a hypothetical setup, right? The, the behavior is not, in a sense, tolerable, yet the other employees don't want to resign. The manager is not doing anything to address this. So there's lots of there's lots of perspectives we can take. So let's let's take the perspective first of the manager. And I would say to all of our listeners who find themselves in this situation, you need to ask yourself, why are you tolerating this behavior? In in many cases, it's because this person is adding so much value. Maybe they're a big uh, rainmaker. They're in sales or business development, and they are just bringing in revenue that's keeping everyone employed, including the employees who are somehow annoyed. And so if you're the manager, you have to ask yourself, what is this intolerable behavior? Let's assume it's, it's, I don't know, crude sexual humor. Let's just say that. And the employees, and we know that at some point this is legally actionable, but let's set that aside uh, for a minute. How, how the manager has to deal with these things. And if somebody is hurting the culture 
and doing those kinds of things. And we see this all the time. We see this with athletes where they hit their girlfriends and the team just keeps them employed and things of the sort. You've got to ask yourself what your own value system is. And your decisions and your behavior in this situation will indicate what your value system is. And personally, money's not that important to me. At some point in time, the culture is what's important to me. Taking care of everybody at some point in time is more important to me, even if we suffer to some degree financially. Uh, When I was in the luxury hotel business, I had extremely wealthy guests from another culture. They, They did not grow up or live in the United States, but they, uh, they were wealthy almost beyond comprehension. And one of these individuals hit one of my housekeepers. He was upset with what she had done, and he actually hit her. And in his country, that was perfectly acceptable behavior. And this guy had diplomatic immunity, and I had him arrested anyway. And I knew he was going to not stay in custody. And this particular group of people from this country gave us a huge amount of business, which was a major factor in keeping everybody employed in the hotel. And there was a lot of tension about what the embassy, this hotel was in the Washington, D.C. area. So the embassy for that country was, you know, 15 minutes drive away. And there was a lot of tension about this. Um, but I had him arrested anyway. And I just said to my employees, <laughs> protecting you, you, you we're not going to have guests come in here and believe that they can physically abuse you. I, I don't care what the consequences are. This is the right thing to do. And as a matter of fact, the, the, the rest of the story is that the embassy actually sent this individual home and sent us a formal apology. Uh, so we didn't lose uh, their business. And they recognized this as, as the right kind of behavior. It doesn't always come out that way, but you have to be willing to accept the consequences when you take a stand. Well, this reminds me of something that my dad said to me when I was very young. My dad is my first model of a good manager, and and he was a great manager. And one of the things he taught me when I was very young is your rights end where someone else's begin. And so as a manager, I think one of the ways that you can sort this kind of a problem is, is, is tolerating someone else's quirks and idiosyncrasies getting to the point that it's actually hurting other people. Um, So you're helping that individual, but you're hurting others. And when you hit that point, you are at a decision point um, and you have to make a values judgment. And, you know, a really cut and dried way to make that values decision is, is performance overall damaged by this person? And if this person is so noxious to others that I would actually start having other good performers leave my team, you know, what's the performance loss there? 
and you start to have to make a cost-benefit analysis. And and that's an excellent point. And I think, Kim, there are times when the cost-benefit analysis is not dispositive of the decision. When you have certain values and your integrity to those values. I'm just getting a message here from our, our producer that we've got to close this show. So I apologize for the abrupt ending, but uh, all good things must come to an end. <laughs> have a great day. We hope you join us next week. Thank you for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference with Talent Plus's Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. We hope these real-life management examples will help you manage teams across the globe. Just a reminder, this series airs on Voice America, the business channel, each Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. We hope you'll tune in next week for Managing to Make a Difference. Until then, put these practices into place and manage to make a difference. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.